You're listening to the Lucas Askew Experience. Now, here's your host, the one and only, Lucas Askew. Welcome to the Lucas Askew Experience. We've got another great show for you today. Uh, The guest, my brother, Christopher Askew, the one and only uh, older brother of of me. And uh, he's three years, to be exact. All the way from formerly Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, now the capital of Canada. He lives in Ottawa, Ottawa, Ontario. So he's going to be joining us on the podcast and talking about my childhood because I know everyone wants to know about the experience that was my childhood. Just kidding. We won't get into that that uh, that grave details, but we will be talking about his job. Uh, he's a forensic scientist. Uh, any CSI lovers will uh, will definitely want to tune in. But we'll also be talking about his experience in the United States. Um, we just went on a family road trip uh, to Tennessee, so uh, he's got a different perspective than I do on this country. Uh, so we'll be talking about it, and uh, hope you like it. Today's episode is brought to you by Tourism Regina, the place on everyone's bucket list. Now, as you may know, I grew up in beautiful Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. So I have a soft spot for my hometown, and specifically, the tourism department. You see, tourism in Regina lives off the two sunny months out of the year. From the beautiful Saskatchewan Legislative Building, to the home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Museum, Regina in the summertime is a beautiful destination. However, for the remaining 10 months, it is darn near impossible to convince tourists to come visit. Tourism Regina, though, has been really thinking out of the box lately. Its latest creation, Speed Friending. This is the little brother to the more popular and well-known Speed Dating. You see, Speed Friending is a new, fun, low-pressure, easy way to make long-lasting friendships and connections around town. So for all the listeners out there, when you're planning your next tropical vacation and want to build in some more networking time, think Tourism Regina and Regina. You'll surely be glad you did. Welcome back to the Lucas Ask You Experience. Our guest for today... None other than my brother. Yes, we uh, we ran out of uh, real people to talk to. No one else would uh, answer my calls, so I talked to my brother, and uh, he's here with us today. Oh, it's great to be here in person. Usually, I get, we only talk uh, through FaceTime. Uh, awesome being here in person. So, my brother, uh, also Canadian, his name is Chris or Christopher. Uh, give, give give the viewers a little bit about yourself. I could. I could tell them a little bit about you, but uh, I want it firsthand from you. Well, like like Lucas, we're born in born in Saskatchewan. Uh, lived, but I've lived in Canada my whole life. Uh, Lucas kind of went down to the whole state thing, but I've been kind of different parts of Canada, kind of seeing the east and west coasts. And right now, I live in our nation's capital, Ottawa, in Ontario. Okay. And um, I'm a forensic scientist. Oh, yes. Forensic scientist. Well, normally we, we bring on people to show they're experts in something. I, I had some, I brought someone on that was an expert in sports, uh, expert in politics, lifestyle. Forensic science, 
not really the demographic I'm going after. Okay. You don't um, have you don't have the CSI fans here. I, I I'm kind of like the Greg <laughs> from CSI. Not not Gil Grissom. I'm the Greg. I'm the I'm the lab guy in the back. But uh, I get you those results. Unfortunately, I, I don't know who Greg is. I, oh. I think I saw CSI for one season okay. back when network television actually meant something. Yeah. But uh, oh. okay. So did you get into? Well, we'll get into other stuff. But did you get into? the world of forensic scientists because of the show no no it's actually uh for some reason we we had a we had a forensic lab growing up uh in regina i don't don't know if you remember that i i don't i I guess i wasn't paying attention no and uh my baseball coach worked there and a couple of my teachers worked there and it kind of got me hooked and actually after i got hooked then i know found out about this show csi was starting up and i i think it's uh i think it's still running but uh no, yeah, I was I was a light I was a fan before uh, before CSI. Okay, now, th- that's good because I think I'm sure you get that question a lot because us lay people don't really understand what forensic scientist is, but they've heard of the show, we're seeing the show. Yeah, and it's obviously quite quite different than it is on TV. It's not. You, not, you you can't solve a case in forty seven minutes. No, these things take weeks, months, sometimes even years of just kind of kind of going at it, and it's. It's not as glamorous as it makes it sound on television, but uh, but I like it. But I like it. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at you right now, and for the viewers uh, at home or the listeners at home, he he looks quite glamorous. So <laughs> maybe he's uh, he's fooling me. But um, so Chris, uh, I can't even call you Chris. You're Christopher. Yeah, I <laughs> myself and my mother are the two people that, that call you that. So um, let, brought you on the show today. Give a little perspective to our adoring fans of the Lukasaski experience. Um, I am Canadian, yes, I will talk about it a lot, but I think I've been indoctrinized into the American culture. You have been stabled in, in Canada, you come to the U.S., visit me, other road trips. Like, what is your what is your overall take on just America as a whole? So just before we get into that, so how long have you, how long have you been in the States now? How, how it, uh, it's been since 2009, so it's coming up on seven, seven plus years yeah. now. No, and I've 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 noticed a change. I, I know uh, I th- I think you've kind of changed your accent a little bit. I definitely know. I notice when I when I come down here, people uh, people notice my accent, and doesn't I never knew I had an accent until I come to the states, and they kind of ask me where I'm from, or some of the phrases that we notice. Uh, you know, I'll ask I'll ask for the bill at a restaurant, and and you look down with disgust at me because it's it's a check, but. I asked for a bill. No, I looked down because half the time you're fumbling around in your wallet, kind of looking at me to pick it up. Oh, so I, mean, I, I, I think that's where the that's where the disconnect really comes oh, in. Oh yeah, that, oh that's a touchy spot. I, I okay, fair enough, fair enough. But the but the, yeah, it's the phrases, right? Uh, we we call it sometimes a pop. I want a pop in Canada it's, uh, instead of a soda. So that that's definitely something. Uh, Would you ever want to change your said accent? Like, would you? work on your pronunciation of o's and eliminating u's from your and the a's yeah. we, we yeah. do the a's like are we going west day or we like to end the sentence with an a i i like it that's that's how we grow up i mean it's it's like when i we're right now we're actually we're in tennessee and i'm noticing the the southern accent down here and the drawl and it's just kind of part part of it it's part of who i am so i i don't want i don't want to change it little hurt that you've kind of <laughs> t- taken that canadian accent out of you but you just want to fit in. Fair enough. Fair hey, enough. You can take the Regina out of Lucas, but you can't take Lucas out of the Regina. 
Is that what that is? Okay, well, that's good. I can see that you're still in there. I can see that you're still in there, but, uh, yeah, you've kind of definitely assimilated. I can see the changes, and you've embraced it, and that's good, but, yeah. Okay. So, back to, so, what you dislike about the United States, how about what you wish Canada would adopt a little bit more? Oh, I mean, the one thing I love about the States is uh, the passion that they have in, in, in your universities. Uh, we've, we've, I've got to experience uh, going down to visit you in, in West Virginia. Uh, right now, we kind of went down to Tennessee to see a, a, a volunteers game. And just the passion that uh, the people get behind their schools and their alma maters is, is incredible. In Canada, we don't kind of have that same uh, affiliation with our universities. Once we kind of go to a school, we go there for four years, and then we leave it, and we don't really think about it ever again. Where here, I feel like it's in, in the people's blood. And you got to kind of respect that, and, and it gives you kind of goosebumps when we were at that game yesterday. Yeah, Hun- definitely. 100,000 people, thousands more tailgating. Everybody's standing there watching these players come in, and you don't get that experience in, in Canada. You'd be lucky to have uh, 6,000 people at the football game up there. So it's uh, got to love the passion that they have uh, for their university, and it really, uh, they're really proud of where they're, where they're from. And uh, I do, I do admire that about the country for sure. Do Do you feel though that with that it puts um, kind of lower on the priority and hierarchy things that Canada adopts, whether it be universal health care or other elements that span a greater mass that college sports or athletics are a prominent um, component. Like take the Olympics for example, the money that. They sink into the Olympics in the United States more than Canada, other than kind of the Vancouver Olympics, where I know we we tried to really own the podium and, and really do that. But do you think there's a, a disconnect with the amount of money spending on universities' athletic program versus actual education and developing of the city? Probably. I mean, in Canada, we don't have that ability based on simple demographics. We don't have the the population that could really allow us to justify building these hundreds of million dollar stadiums to host a game six times a year. We can't, we can't justify that. And again, based on our demographics, we wouldn't be putting that money into uh, athletics. That's not where we choose. We want to, you know, put it into education. Here again, because you guys have your alma mater, your boosters that put money in, uh, you maybe have that option to throw it towards these uh, uh, these you know, university programs or college sports programs. But there probably could be, you know, a better balance, right? I think I don't think it's crazy to say that, you know, the amount of money that gets put into these college football games, uh, some of it could be maybe better spent on on the actual education. Uh, on the education, yes. Okay, so playing the role of Michael Wilbon here to your Tony Kornheiser. Um, so for for those listeners, PTI obviously reality or reality stat boy and Kornheiser uh, and Wilbon. Uh, Christopher and I grew up on part of the interruption and loved Wilbon and Kornheiser. Now somebody hates them. I'm not going to mention any names. Not a um, fan anymore. But I will play the role of Wilbon and say. Yes, it could be misguided. Actually, this is more of a... I don't think either of them are taking this point of view, but my personal point of view, I think reality would take this point of view of, yes, I think there could be some misguiding, but I am of the belief, obviously I've worked in athletics, that a strong athletics program can fund other elements of that university and 
actually develop and help kind of stimulate the the growth within that local city or that local town. You look at admissions a couple years ago, Florida Gulf Coast made a run in the NCAA tournament, the Sweet 16. The admissions rate went up by over 200, 300, 400%. One of those numbers, we'll, we'll throw it up there. But um, it shot up because of their notoriety. They were able to accept more people, kind of increase their overall revenue. So I do think there is a benefit to that. It's kind of striking, like, where do you put the balance? Like, at the end of the day, if you're a president of a university, are you going to say no to an athletics program, even though it could potentially stimulate growth for your university? Again, again, I think I think there'd be balance. I'd have to look at it in more depth. Like if some of that money's, you know, helping fund scholarships to help maybe people that wouldn't be able, otherwise able to attend one of those universities, then that would be that would be good. But if that money is just going to pay your coach millions of dollars a year, I, I think that money could be uh, definitely better spent. Okay, I'd say you know that's, that's I, this is why this is why we're here. Two different. Opinion. Yeah, I mean, in Canada, our 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 college fo- football coach would be getting paid eighty thousand dollars a year. So you're telling me Frank McChrystal made eighty thousand dollars a year? He probably he his he when he retired, his position was posted, and they gave a range of seventy to a hundred thousand dollars based on experience. So he was probably by the time he retired at a hundred thousand dollars. But a typical college coach up there, 80, when, seventy to eighty thousand so dollars. Frank McChrystal. Coached the University of Regina Rams, Regina Cougars, whatever, for 20-plus years. How much do you think he was making at the start of his illustrious career? He started off working for free as a, as a volunteer because it wasn't, it wasn't affiliated with the university. And then once it was affiliated with the university, probably, again, making about 70 to 80. And probably, again, finished with about, about $100,000 a year. Okay. Um, completely off-subject. University, well, you're thinking of University of Regina. Your favorite Regina memory. Um, I know we've got a lot of listeners that, that really love love Regina as much as Pat Fiaco did back in his day. But what is your ultimate Regina memory? And I'll give you mine after. Well, can you can you start with yours to get, get me no, a little then, time to think it, about it? It, or? it is my podcast. You know, I can I instruct, I put the questions out to the, to you as my guest. And then I come in. Okay. Um, and so it can be anything. It could ha- be anything. Anything that happened in Regina. Um, I, I think when we, uh, I mean, again, I, I guess maybe because we've been talking so much about sports, but I, I would say when we hosted the Grey Cup, I mean, they always said, our, Regina, for those that didn't know, I mean, we're a city of about 200,000 people. And for the longest time, they never let us host the the national football championship because our city was too. They said our city was too small that we could never have enough fans to justify having the the big game, the Grey Cup, was your equivalent of the Super Bowl. And finally, after oh, I love you, you. Sorry, I, I will interject, but I love how you continue saying your. Like, I am still Canadian. Okay, no, no, no. Even it's... though I live in the United States, I still am a Canadian. I still pay taxes or I file my taxes in Canada. It's not. This well, whole nation is not mine. Okay. Well, I was also talking to your, your audience, which okay. I'm assuming are Americans. Well, we're split. We're a national, wow. international reach here. 
Wow. The Luke Zazz experience. I, okay, I mean, I mean, I'm new to the, the experience. I didn't know how far-reaching that was, but uh, okay, if we're going, we're going international, I'm just trying to help everybody understand the, okay. the analogies there. Uh, so any, they said we, they couldn't do it. So after the Grey Cup had been around for about 80, 80, 90 years, they finally let us host one, and we knocked it out of the park. We Everybody, volunteer, we had volunteers, hundreds, thousands of volunteers. We sold out uh, 60,000 uh, you know, people to the game, which again, doesn't sound like a lot in the U.S. <laughs> That's a lot up in Canada. That's as big as it kind of goes. <laughs> And uh, and I was really pr- kind of proud of our city to have you know a city of two hundred thousand to have sixty thousand people at this game in November in Regina and again Regina gets down to mi- minus thirty uh, Celsius Celsius yeah. which even in yeah. Fahrenheit is around yeah. there too it's, it's, cold. it's cold it's cold it's cold there and you have these people sixty thousand people in minus twenty thirty degree weather sitting sitting down watching a football game outside. I was pretty proud of our city then. That was my favorite moment. Were you there at this? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not insane. I'm not insane. But I still was but proud. You're still proud. But I was proud in the comfort and warmth of my house. Yeah. I don't. I can't remember exactly. I think I went to a friend's house, but uh, very comfortable there. But proud of the city. Okay. Now your turn. My my favorite. You got to line this up ahead of the show, uh, which no, is of, just... of course. But you know, this is we. Uh, we do a lot of things off script in the Luke Sass experience. So yeah. it's not just um, pre-recording and uh, have these things in the bucket. But I think overall, like my Regina experience, lived there for the first 20 years of my life. So a lot of my upbringing and really what I know came from Regina, whether it be good or bad, like that's, that's all I knew. Um, and I also had loving parents that also impacted you at you they may have not loved you as much but no i think um, it's clear that you were the favorite i mean they they would be the first ones to admit that of course of course um but i think my favorite regina moment um would just be actually more of a transformation of when i grew up i looked at regina as really just a city that didn't have a lot lot going on like there are the mayor before pat fiaco like there was no buzz within the city. The, the business wasn't great. Like you, you wouldn't go downtown. You wouldn't really. You were like scared. You, yeah. You, were, you yeah. lived in the suburbs, and what I've seen since I've left, and I every time I come back, I'm pleasantly surprised at the development downtown. Like people want to go out. People want to stay in the city and actually stimulate growth and have have jobs, um, not just in like Sastel or Sas Power and a Crown Corps, but other um other places um so i I think for me the regina memory is just overall um the the growth that is that has occurred since uh since that time so yeah and just to kind of uh, follow up with that it's um it's amazing every time i go back to construction that's been going on i do kind of feel like ever since that i left sketching has kind of kind of exploded and it's done just as well without me that their economy took off. Their, do, do you think uh, is that surprising? Like, do you think that you were going to be the catalyst to stimulate this growth, or you're seeing that you were expendable? Like yeah, I mean, I, I took it a little personally yeah. at first, but uh, I definitely was proud of this, uh, our little province and our little city. Uh, really, in the last uh, you know handful of years, really doing well and really kind of leading some of the growth in Canada in jobs. And it's just, and not just jobs, but just, it's exciting kind of to go there. They're getting more events you can see there. People are a little happier to be there. Uh, weather's not improving, but there's more things to do now. 
So people just forget about the frigid weather. It makes it easier to forget it when it's minus 40, when there are things to do, when there are concerts coming in, when there's bars to go down, and they've re really revitalized some of those areas, and I'm, it is pretty nice to see. Okay. Uh, Christopher, we'll, we'll end on this. I want to ask all my, all my guests to come on uh, to give kind of a, a piece of advice for those those listeners. We're, we're an educational show. We are a, a comedy and humor studio. We're an economical forecasting. We're, again, we're the experience here. We, we, we span the different genres. This will go into the, the wisdom and philosophical uh, lens. What, what advice would you give uh, future listeners out there to just, whether it be something to brighten their day tomorrow, today, their life, Give it, give it to me. Okay, that that I like that. Uh, I think what I I like to kind of always think about is I think a lot about careers and jobs and about where I see myself in the next, you know, five, ten, fifteen, fifteen years. So I do think about a lot of that. You know, even though I do like my job in forensics, but I, it's hard not to think: Did I choose the right one? What if I had gone to a different program in university? I could have been a pharmacist or a doctor or a professional athlete. Or something like that. Did I make the right choice? So I think uh, the advice that I would give, you know, I'm I'm about you know 30 years old. I've you know d been in different educational programs and things, and had different kind of jobs throughout. Um, is that you're you're not ever too old, you know, to make a change. And you know, if if you're kind of feel like you're going down a route and maybe you're not quite happy, don't think, well, I've kind of given up three, four, five years into that, so I'm just going to have to live with that mm -hmm. and just keep following that because i'll tell you if you're stuck in a job that you don't like and you're planning to work there for 30 years you're gonna regret that um you know even if you've put five years and you think no this isn't what i want don't be don't be scared to make that change and and put a couple years into a different path that you think because you'll notice that as you get older uh you're able to i think have a better idea of what you like uh it's it's too bad that they kind of make you choose a little bit what you want to do when you're 18 19 I'm quite different than I was when I was 18 19 I have different likes and uh, what stimulates me what interests me what I want out of life is changed and so don't be scared if you're in your 20s and late 20s and early 30s to make that kind of change to to kind of really do what you want to do I think uh, I think about that a lot and I think that's the that's the advice that I would give people that I've, I've seen friends and uh, seen it where they they make life changes and it, it works out for them you're not you're not too old when you're mm -hmm. in your your mid-20s and even in your late 30s you're not too old you still got 20 years of your career left you can make a change go back to school or start something new or get you know start up a business with a friend um do something on the side see if you like that and see if it grows just like what you know you're doing you're kind of following a little passion right here so that that would be the advice i would give to those listeners out here both in Canada and the U.S., right? The, yeah, inter, the, inter the international. Yeah. Uh, too bad most of our listeners are 55 and up, but that's okay. Yeah, oh, you didn't, you didn't <laughs> tell me that before the no, podcast. No, no, no. We, 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 we spend. If, oh. if I only have listeners 55 up, I don't know. I, I probably need to start going to other places other than retirement homes um, to promote my podcast. Well, but, that, that, uh, works, that works for the older yeah, viewers. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. then maybe when you're in... That, Find something you like yeah. post retirement. No, that but interests it, you. overall, yeah, overall, I think it, it, it's a good good message to remember. You you don't have to be caged and locked in, unlike our parents, our parents' generation that felt that they went down a path and they had to go for that particular path. Yeah. So um, 
great, great advice and uh, something we can um, bring forward. So, again, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show. Luke's ask experience, uh, really appreciate it, and uh, safe travels back uh, back home to Canada. Well, thank you for having me. It was it was definitely quite the experience. I like to say that. That's what we want to hear. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again, and uh, until next time, I bid you adieu. That's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you didn't, I apologize. You may not get that 30 minutes back. Um, but here's something that will hopefully brighten your brighten your day, put a smile on your face. Uh, as you know, in the Luke Sask experience, we want to we close every show with some motivation, um, something to, to really put the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Um, so this one is from uh, Saku Andrews, a uh, poetic voice, uh, entrepreneur, spoke at a recent conference I was at and wanted to, to bring out this clip uh, that he shared with, with our team. It's, uh, it's called The Awesome Anthem. Um, I'm not perfect, but I'm perfect as I am. I'm not beautiful like I used to be. I'm beautiful like I am. Like the scar where a breast once was. Like survival where a death once was. Like the better where a best once was. Every gray hair a trophy. Every wrinkled fold a story. Every pound of fat a challenge. Reminding me there is always something to pursue. And always something to celebrate. Enjoy your days. Lucas Askew. The Lucas Askew Experience.